You know, as we start today, we're continuing in a four, eight weeks that we've got in a letter into modern-day Colossians. I love this, and this book is so the epistle that was written by Paul to a church he had never actually been to. You know, if you want to know how that church started, you just talk to Barb Brizzy. Where's Barb at? Raise your hand. There. She just got back from Ephesus, among other stops. She stood where Paul preached. It was out of Paul's preaching in the church of Ephesus that a man got so on fire for Jesus that he went to his hometown of Colossae and he started a church there. Paul had never been to that church. But through communication, it ended up that Paul said that he needed, God led him through the Holy Spirit to write a letter to make some corrections there and some guidance was the purpose of that. And so I believe that the letter that he wrote to Colossae is just as important now, some 2,000 years later almost, as it was at the time that he wrote it. Because what was happening, and just as a reminder at Colossae, it was the crossroads for all the business. It was the trade route, everything. And so the city of Colossae had to be tolerant of everything. Now remember, I described last week, tolerant from God's perspective, and every dictionary you look at tells us the same. We just don't live it a lot in our nation at times was to say, I honor you and I respect you if our opinions are different. Whether that's a faith-based and we're all growing, we know we're on a journey, whether that's a political difference that we have, doesn't mean I cannot honor you and respect you. But I want to alert you that it does not mean that I have to affirm what you're thinking. We talked about that last time. But it doesn't mean that I can't honor you and respect you. And that's the problem they had in Colossae was not only did they have to maybe pretend to honor and respect and then they had to pretend to fully agree with it. Because if they didn't, they weren't going to do business in Colossae. That's just the way it was, right? Not that that has any bearing on our life today. You understand what I'm saying? But the reality of it is, is that I believe the power of that prayer or that letter that was written is just as important now. Our message for today is really a complicated theological statement. So you might want to Google this, look it up, and go to your concordances. So let me tell you my title. Here's your fork. By the way, you're going to get one on the way out. Everybody's going to get a fork on the way out. To remember, here's your fork. And this is pretty important to us because when we look at this and we look at the big idea on this, the big idea is really simple. Man, as Christ followers, we've got to be self-feeders. We must take responsibility for our personal growth in our own faith journey. Now, I want to alert you. That does not say that at Summit Church we're abdicating our responsibility and just saying, you're on your own. Come in here, you know, get a quick message on Sunday, and we do this, but you're on your own. That's not the point at all. We're all in this together, aren't we? But that means Every single person in here has a responsibility for their own faith growth wherever they're at in the process. We've got all kinds of resources on our website. You can go there. You can plug in there. You can see things. But here's the important thing. We've got to be responsible for feeding ourselves in the process. Our Scriptures today comes out again out of the book of Colossians, the epistle or the letter to the Colossians. 
We'll start with just a couple of verses on this, and he says this. In verses 9 and 10, first chapter, we're still there, second week. For this reason also, since the day we have heard this, we, I love that, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. And I think we could add there, knowledge of His will for you, right? And in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. That's what he says there. And you remember the introduction that we had last time, but as I read this and reread this, here's the first thing that gets me on this. Paul, we, remember he said at the very beginning of this that he wasn't in this alone. This is one of those epistles. He's writing with Timothy. He says it in the very first verse there. He's writing this thing with Timothy, and he says, look, me and the younger guy, we haven't quit praying for you. We have not ceased praying for you. And I think this is important because the, what God is telling us here is if it was important 2,000 years ago to pray without ceasing, do you think that that commandment from God that He tells us, pray without ceasing, do you think that had an expiration date on the carton? Do you think that's one of those? We looked at that and go, oh yeah, that expired about eh, 2,000 years ago, and we throw that away. That's not it at all. That's why every week we have the cross. That's why every week there's prayer concerns. That's why every week you can write it down. That's why every week there's a prayer team on each side. It's because God tells us, pray without ceasing. That's what He's telling us. And I love the fact that he says we in this process, that we pray without ceasing, that we come together as the body of Christ. We're all in this together and so forth. And I love that because it says we pray without ceasing. A few weeks ago, I, everything in my life is a few weeks ago. Don't worry about the date. I can't even remember. <laughs> Can I get a witness? You understand? Oh, my goodness, right? I told somebody, ask them their name again. I love Name Tag Sunday. I really do because I get to not ask people's names. I, I say, what was your question? And then I get to see their name again. Don't be a friend offended. At my age, I get to meet so many wonderful people for the first time again. That's my world that I live in, right? But you know, it was a, it was a few weeks ago, and I was talking to somebody, and they said, would you pray with me? I said, absolutely. I, I pray at the drop of a hat, anywhere you want to pray. I prayed with a lady outside of Office Max this week. Her husband died four years ago. And how I get into these things, I don't know. I just try to be obedient. But we walked out of office, Max, right? I had to get some stuff. It was Tuesday night, and I had done a bunch of things. And I said, oh, babe, I need to say something at office, Max. I get there, 10 minutes, plenty of time. I walk out, and there is this magnificent rainbow, a double. And here's this lady standing there looking at the rainbow. And you know me. I'm quiet and shy. I rarely speak to people. <laughs> Unless I'm forced to, you know, in this position here, I have to talk to people. So I looked at it and I said, boy, what a beautiful rainbow, isn't it? And then right after that, she goes, yep, it's God's promise. I said, oh, I can identify with this lady, let me tell you. I said, yes, it is. That was the original rainbow for the original reason that God gave it to us. And she said, yes, it was. She says, I just love that. She says, my husband died four years ago. And she's a really young lady. I mean, she's 12, 14 years younger than I am. She's just a kid. 
And we talked for a little bit, and I said, you know, you've already said what I needed to hear. Can I pray for you? And she teared up. We're standing in a parking lot in front of Office Max. But you know, if there's nothing else I can do for anything, there's two things. One, I can thank you, and I can pray. I think after that, God can work it out. But if I just focus on thanking you and being available for God to pray at the drop of a hat, and I've already told you, and people say, Chuck, man, you pray in a parking lot in front of Office Max? That's crazy. I've already told you I was crazy. This isn't new information. You all knew that when you got here. And if you're just first time, understand, I'm crazy. My favorite song, my theme song is, what? You all know it. I told you. I've always been crazy, but it kept me from going insane. And my favorite album, 1976, Paul Simon was, still crazy after all these years. I'm okay. But if all I am is crazy for Jesus, I'm going to be good with that. Do you understand? And people say, well, aren't you afraid of embarrassing yourself? Are you kidding me? Seriously. If you knew everything about my life, things like that are the least of our worries. No, I'm not. I'm not afraid of it. But when we look at this, he says, we pray. We pray without ceasing. And he says, in order to walk and live our lives in a manner that's worthy of Christ. Let me define that. Worthy of what Christ did on that cross. Boy, if we don't wake up every morning, and I did this morning, and I slept in. It was like 5.30 or something. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I'm, I've got my Bible, and I'm going through it. And once again, you get to this. What Jesus did on the cross for us, and I, I, some of you may know, I mean, I, I've got a pretty standard prayer. And it's, you know, I just say, God, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart. Give me an edifying mouth. Give me honoring eyes. Give me a focused and pure mind and a submitted, obedient spirit. And I try to start off every single day and praying for that because I am so taken by that statement to live a life worthy of what Christ did on that cross and how important that is for me to do that. And finally, he tells us, just we're in two verses, and finally, we're to bear fruit, but he says specifically, and grow in the knowledge of God. And that's what this is about today. Here's your fork. We can do everything we can at a church or together, whether it's community group, whatever. But you've got to take responsibility to grow in the knowledge of God. And by the way, folks, people go, well, Chuck, that's easy. You know, you got time to go to seminary. You got time. Look, my dad hadn't seen him in years. I've told you a lot of this story, but I'll tell you this part. And I sent him a Bible, and he had a phone put in, you know, one of those with a cord that plugs into the wall, and it had numbers on it, right? It might still have been one where you went, ching, ching, you know, instead of, but for several years, I spoke to my dad on the phone. He was in Wichita, Kansas, the Wellington Apartments. And he was crying one morning. My son was sitting there. And he says, I'm, I'm only able to read and concentrate about 10, hour, uh, 10 minutes a day at different times. So I read for 10 minutes, and then I, I don't have the capacity. And you know history of my dad in terms of alcoholism and stuff like that, but it was just at that season of his life that he says, I get 10 minutes, then I have to stop, and then I'll come back and I'll read 10 minutes again. I said, Dad, my son was sitting there. And he's the one, Courtney's the one, he does all the math kind of thing, you know. He goes, Grandpa, 
If you're reading just 10 minutes a day out of the Bible, that puts you in the upper 2% of Christians. 10 minutes a day reading for the knowledge of God. And you know the story that would ultimately lead my father to making a decision for Christ in that. And so we've got to get those things just right. And we say, okay, but this wisdom, this knowledge of God, you know, that's, that's reserved for special people, isn't it? Let me just kind of give you some things, okay, as we walk through this process. All right, the first one is in Romans. And in Romans, here's what God tells us here. Let me get over to Romans here. Okay, I like it when we get it out of God's Word. You're going to see the Scripture up there, and it's going to start, I think, in verse 20. But just let it, let it kind of soak in on us. But let's start at verse 18. Out of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the church, to the Romans, right? But here's what he says. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven, and all godliness and righteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, among all of us, right? Because God has shown it. But now here's this verse here in verse 20. For His, God's invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world and being understood what he has made, as a result, people are without excuse. God says, we don't have an excuse on this. And he's telling me and you. He's telling his family. And people say, well, what do you mean? What do you look at and you see God's divine nature and his attributes? Saints, when you walk out of this church today, would you just look at those mountains and the beautiful skies and what God has given us? And no, it didn't happen by accident. I believe when God says He's the Creator, I know that's a crazy thought. I actually believe He is the, what? Creator. That's what God is. And He's given us this, and He says that we're without excuse in this process. But then He goes on and tells us in Hebrews, right? And he says this in Hebrews, all right? In Hebrews 5, 14, there's certain verses in my world, and you're going to hear these over and over again at times, and this is one of those, because it talks about this issue of maturity, right? But he says, solid food is for the mature, though for those who have, uh, whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. And God is saying, solid food, and he makes this analysis or this analogy for us, and he says this, when you were a baby, you got fed. It was somebody else's job to feed you as a baby. Paul tells us in his word, you know, far too many people who call themselves Christ followers are still on milk, and they should be eating meat. By the way, if you stick around for serve, Matt's cooked up and smoked some meat, just tell you, Okay. No correlation on the Sunday that we're on, but I like to think there is, okay? We've got meat out there, and hopefully you're going to hear through the Holy Spirit what meat means for you in this process. But then it comes to a time where you got to feed yourself in this process, right? And mature for all ages, all right? And so we continue in, in the letter there, and in verse 11 and 12, here's what God's tells us. 
in verse 11 and 12, it says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance, patience, joyfully, core value today for us is be joyful, that good, right? That joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. And I love that statement for us there. As we continue just to look at that slide for a second, there's some words there. He starts off with being strengthened with power. And he says, according to his glorious might or his strength. I want to share a quote. I, um, in fact, I talked to this individual and prayed with him on the way, and he had already prayed for some at church. Doesn't live here. And he says, you don't have to give me credit for that, Dad. No indication of who I was speaking to, right? He says, you don't have to give me credit. I said, no, Chad, let me tell you something. You know, it's important for us to give attribution to the source of things, whether it's in our writing or speaking. But this happened earlier this week, and he and I were talking, and we were praying, and we were talking about things, and, and the letter to Colossians and stuff like that. But here's what he said. I'm going to read this to you. He says, when the Bible is no longer a resource, but it becomes the source, you will experience power like never before. And I tell you that because all too often we're reading this like it's a resource. There's actually a few of us in here that can remember the old Encyclopedia Britannica's. Come on, just give me a hand. Give me a hand, okay? My mom and dad actually sold those things. Of course, my dad sold Bibles. He wasn't a Christian then either, okay? But the Encyclopedia Britannica, I mean, they were not cheap at all in those days, and you would buy them, and they would be, you know, here's your A's, here's your B's, go all the way down to the end, and then each year you would get an annual update on this, on your subscription this. And there was no Google. I mean, when you went to the library and you studied, and you'd have a question, you'd go to Encyclopedia Britannica, and you would open that thing up. And it was incredible in that. It was a resource. Now, here's, here's an issue. And the issue is this. If Google and this book is just a resource for you, and this is not the source for you, you're missing out on the greatest power you will ever have that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God has so much more for us than this just being a resource. Oh, it's a history book. It's a good one. This was written, you know, back in 60 or 62 AD and so forth. What a nice resource. This was never meant to be a resource. Saints, this is the source. It's like asking your light to come on in a lamp without plugging it in. It doesn't work. And I don't care how good the light bulb is, the wiring, or anything else. You try to turn on a light that wasn't plugged in this past two days ago. <clears throat> My wife, and I know this will be foreign to our young people here, um, so I'll explain it later if I need to in depth or send you a Google article. My wife wanted a DVD player in our bedroom. Don't ask what that is, just talk to me afterwards. 
but there's these round, shiny things, and they have movies on them and stuff like that. And over the years, she's got all these movies, and she says, could I just have a DVD player there? And I said, absolutely. So I got her a DVD player. This past week, I, I was checking it, the DVD in there. We'll get that later. You know where that goes? Right here. All right, how's that? Just stare at that. Watch the fork. Watch. No, never mind. So in any event, I, throw the, I turn it on. I put in the DVD. The TV's on. You know how you go through the sources and you nothing. I had nothing. I go, this is just crazy. You know? So I did it again. And I tell you, and sometimes in the slow learning group, you know, I gotta just repeat the same thing over and over again, expecting to get a different result. Turn the TV off, turn the DVD player off, I turned them both back on, I went to the same thing, I went to the source. Boop, boop, nothing, all the way down. I thought, well, let me just check this thing out and see which one of the HDMI plugs it's in. You know, that was a revelation knowledge for me because it wasn't plugged into any of them. In fact, there wasn't even a cable between the DVD player and the TV. It was plugged into the power source down here, but it wasn't. So I went to Best Buy, I bought a DVD or an HDMI cord, I plugged it in, I turned on the TV, and I went, it's like magic. How did that happen? You know, I just want to tell you something. So, so many times people are reading God's Word because, yeah, I was told to read it, but the plug is the Holy Spirit, and it's the idea that we've got to be plugged into that. And so I want you to look at a very short video talking about feeding ourselves. You ready? Again, this got sent to me, my son. Now watch that carefully. It's going to keep playing. I'm going to let it play. You can watch that and listen to me because you can multitask. This little bird, whatever, is so used to being fed by someone else, it thinks all it has to do is open its mouth and the food will jump in. You see it? Because just merely opening its mouth, and we've seen the pictures in the necks where the birds are like this and their mouths are open and mom flies in and gives them their worm, right? Saints, this isn't a bird's nest. You're not little birds. All of us. We have a responsibility to feed ourselves. And we can't just walk around with our mouths open and expect God just to put it in because our mouth was open and we are worthy. That's not it at all. From the youngest age to me, the oldest age, whatever we got here, we are responsible every step of the way in our own journey to feed ourselves. One of the statements that I say drives me nuts. There's a lot of reasons to try out another church, do things, and so forth. And, you know, that, but, the, but the one statement that kind of tips me over the edge, well, I just wasn't getting fed. You know, you're, you're not born with that kind of stupid. You've got to train for a statement like that. The idea of being fed and I asked them, so what are you doing? And I would say, so what have you done to be a part of the community? And we'll go through some things. What have you done to identify your spiritual gifts? What have you done to connect with God in a community group and do all kinds of things? But the fact of the matter is, here's the deal. 
We have a responsibility to you, and believe me, under the leadership of our elders, this church and an amazing staff is doing everything we can possibly do to say, here, let me set it on the table for me. Let me provide it for you. But you know, we have a responsibility, starting with me, don't I? Starting with me to say, God, I've got to be a self-feeder. I've got to be in the Word. I've got to be with people, and we've got to grow together. And that was, the, that was a, another video my son sent me on this thing as we were discussing it. And so here's what the section concludes with here. It's Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And he says this, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Wow. And transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, the kingdom of light. In Him... We have redemption, and we have the forgiveness of sins. And so what God is saying to me through this whole thing is, look, He has rescued us for a reason. You're not here by chance. God's got a purpose for you. And you know, sometimes as we get older, we realize that God gives us some opportunities. And he expands on that purpose. But let me explain to you, that was never a surprise to God. Do you understand? That he's used things in your life. He's used your experience. He's used the things you've gone through. He's used your training. He's used relationships, right? And then all of a sudden, you step into a situation and go, holy cow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. And it's kind of like, how did that happen? Well, it's not PMT, you know, pure magic theory. It's God at work in your life. It's what's taking place. God is at work in your life, in all of our lives. And God wants us to use that experience. I, you know, I go back and there's, you know, it's either a Rudy moment or a burning bush moment. But you know, it's Moses with the burning bush. Man, he knew exactly what he was supposed to do. I love the Rudy moment, you know, where he's standing there and he's this big and the football players are this big and said, are you ready to lead us out of the tunnel? he says, I've been ready for this all my life. But you get to those moments. But here's the thing, saints. What happened in Colossae was they got away from the very basics. They absolutely got away from the very basics. You know, it was kind of like whatever got them in was enough, and they could just stay there. That's not true. What got you into this relationship with Jesus Christ was meant to be your starting point, not your finish line. It was meant to be that springboard that takes you to understand why you were created, what is your purpose, what are your spiritual gifts, or in the words of my grandson, Carwin Zeal, what is your superpower? And you got it. Every single person sitting here, you have it in you. God's placed it there. You're here for a reason. It's not by accident. But God's saying it's just not a one and done, okay? Let's keep growing together. You know, uh, Billy and I will hit 46 years of marriage this year. That's a pretty good deal, considering the fact that, yeah, no kidding. I was telling somebody, I was telling somebody this past week, nobody, including my family and my mother, gave us a chance of making it a year. True story. It's not going to last. It wasn't that Billy wasn't worth keeping. We all know she is. I haven't kept her around very long lately, have I? 
But it wasn't that she wasn't worth keeping. There wasn't a person in my world that thought I was smart enough to keep her. True story. Every year, Billy and I wake up on our anniversary because that, the, the year ended the day before. We're starting a new year on that day. You see what I'm saying? People, we celebrate our anniversaries. Go, let's celebrate what we've done. You know what Billy and I look at? God took care of some amazing things. Let's celebrate what God's taking us to. This is the next day of the next year. Because starting on that day when people say, how many years have you been married? Okay? This will happen in August. I don't say we've been married this long. I say we are in this year. Billy and I are in our 46th year. It's not complicated. On August 19th, we'll finish that, and on August 20, we'll both be here with you. Nothing needs to happen. I'm just warning you in advance, but the point is, on August 20th, if you ask me, Chuck, how long have you and Billy been married? Starting August 20th, I will tell you, we're in our 47th year, and it's a good thing. But here's why I'm telling you that. If there's any bragging to do, I'll brag about her. But here's the thing. Do you think on that day, and oh, by the way, <laughs> we got married in a condominium by a Jewish judge who had his golf clothes on underneath his robe and was mad because we were late because he had a tea time. True story. Yeah. Oh, it was really spiritual. Yeah. I've already explained to all of you that when we met, I wasn't walking with the Lord, and God let Billy slip just far enough away to meet me, because if she'd have truly been walking with the Lord, the only way she'd have met me was handing out tracts when the bar closed or the officer's club at night, but just a little bit to reel me in, and God did that with that beautiful woman. But the point is, we're in our 46th year because we've had to work on it every day. We've had to work on it every week. We've had to work on it every month and every year. I'm still learning things about that beautiful woman. I'm still seeing her with eyes, and I'm going, 46 years, and I just didn't see that. I have feelings I didn't know I had 46 years ago when I hold her in my arms. I have feelings I didn't know I had, and she helped me with when I talked to her on the phone today. And she's going to see a great friend of ours in Virginia. You know? And you know who I thank for that? God and my wife. Because it's one of those things that it was never meant to be a, an ending place. It was meant to be a starting line. Well, you know, our relationship with the Lord is the same way. I don't care where you're at in life. That moment that you came and you met Jesus Christ, this man that died on a cross for you, he didn't say to you, well, it's nice meeting you. I'm glad we've done that. We're done. He said to you, I'm so glad to know you, and I want you to know me. And I want us to know each other better. Well, when you're in a good relationship, you understand it's not one-sided, is it? Jesus has all kinds of promises for you.
But you know what, saints? We have a responsibility in this relationship. And there's so much of that about being in prayer. It's so much about knowing the source. I'm going to give you some things here. One is, I'm just going to ask you to pray about this, but that is simply this. Are you committed to feeding yourself? Are you committed to taking responsibility in this relationship? So God can do in and through you what he designed you for before you were even created. Are you committed to that? And if you're not, I'm here. Our elders are here. Our team is here. Our prayer team is here to help you come to understand that feeding yourself is what's going to keep you healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically. We can go through all of this, can't we? And so here's the things that I want to give you. The most important thing you can do is read God's Word for yourself so that it's not just a resource for you, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica, but this right here is your source. Out on the table there, and I mentioned it last week, there's a book called Reading It Right. I didn't explain it very well in talking to someone apparently, you know, and, and rightfully, only a part of this is a book that you read, but it tells you how to get more out of reading God's Word as the source by a very good friend of mine, very good friend of Rob Zavalli as a pastor in Kansas. The last part is just a journal that helps and guides you through how do you then break this down and so forth. You don't need to be a Bible college, a seminary student. This is for us. It's on the table. There's a price there. There's a bank you know, thing there. Throw some money in it if that price works. If a lesser price works, please, whatever works for you, it's that important. And frankly, if you're here today and it's just inconvenient, don't try to explain it to anybody. We're all family. You take a book and get it so you can understand the source better of what God is telling us for us personally. I'm going to give you some things here that I think are important that's going to help us feed ourselves. Here's some additional steps. Growth Trek. I just talked to my good friend Ed about Growth Trek. He's going to start the first week in August because that's Growth Trek 1. Every month on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd is Growth Trek. We are doing everything we can to present that. In that process, you'll learn about spiritual gifts. You'll learn about your gifts, things like that, personality. You'll learn about Summit if you want to serve here. But let me tell you, saints, that growth track will help you serve wherever God wants you. And we've got people serving all over this community, all over this state, and we've got people serving all over the world. Did we get her back safely? Back from Brazil, okay, from serving all over the world. So growth track, if you have not done that, let me just tell you, you don't have to sign anything. You don't have to commit to anything. Nobody's going to say, okay, now that you're here, you sign up for this and you're going to have to do these four things. It's not that. It is there to serve you in this relationship in learning to feed yourself by learning better about this church, but who you are. So that's one. Two, community groups. We are absolutely locked in on community groups and how important they are. We have community groups. You'll see we're going to go into our season here in August launching the new community groups. But let me just tell you, some of you have been in community groups and God is stirring in your heart and you're saying, why don't we have a group that does boom, whatever it is. That might just be the entry point God's saying to you, why don't we have a group like that? 
Why don't we have a group that does arts and crafts but knows Jesus in the middle of it with cease? If you like arts and crafts, see cease of all you, okay? We'll just flood your house. No, wait, we won't use the word flood at your house right now, will we cease? Okay, there was a pipe that burst in her kitchen. So, you know, there's certain words we've got to be careful of here. But all I'm telling you is, is that in this process, there's going to be training for community group leaders and people that want to learn what it is, and it doesn't commit you to doing it. It's going to give you the information. But saints, please listen. Once a week here together is wonderful, but if we think we're going to stand strong against the 24-hour, seven days a week Satan, and we think a little bit of time I devote to God on Sunday morning is going to be enough with this relationship to have His strength and know His will, saints, we're missing it. We need to gather together. We need to be together. And we can do that around community groups. And then the third thing that I'm going to tell you here is simply this. Serve. Now, I know the shirt is red. I know it has our logo on it. And I know it's got, you know, summit on that. But listen to me. God has designed each one of us to serve. It may not be at this church. But we want to help equip you and train you for what God has for you, wherever that is. You know, it can be in the city of Centennial, working with the homeless, which is what the blessing bags, and we're going to do a thousand of those today to fill them just for the city. That's our job there. But it can be anywhere that God has you and is calling you to. So when we say serve, please understand it's a big C for church, and it's a big K for kingdom. But you know what? If you want to grow in your faith, serve. So those are the three things that I want to give you on that and as we go into this. And here's, God tells us, just ask, and it will be given. You know, in James, in the book of James, he tells us this, that promise, right? Let us run with endure. Let us and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, there's that word again, complete, lacking in no nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives it all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. In this regard, just to finish it out with just being together and serving, on August 13th, in addition to the blessing bags, some of churches involved in giving out hundreds of backpacks to the schools in this area, to needy, let's just say, young people that need a boost in school. Does that make sense? Now, look, we've only got 30 slots on this. There's actually less than that because you have to sign up for this at our next steps, right? I know this. At the most, there's only 26 slots left. Because I went on the app, I signed up me, I signed up Billy, and I signed up a young couple that are spiritual kids from Germany, and they don't know it yet because they're going to be in church. Hey, come on. Sometimes surprises are the best thing. They're going to walk in, they get here on the 12th, and they're going to go, what are we doing tomorrow? I'm saying we're going to church together, we'll get there early, and you're going to be a part of distributing backpacks at Summit Church to school kids. And trust me, they won't look at me and say, do we have to? Because I say it in love, and they know that's not a choice. So at best, and I know there's others that have signed up, but there's 
only 20-some slots left. If that's something, come and be a part of that. It's a one-time thing, okay? These are the things that are important to me. I, I, am, I am passionate about what God is doing at this church. Are you getting desperate yet for what God wants to do in you? I talked about that last week, and I am. I'm, I was desperate then. I'm desperate now. I am desperate for the things of God to be the kind of man that God's calling me to be. I am desperate to pastor a church that is absolutely desperate for God to just overwhelm us with everything He's got for us. And there are some steps that we can take. But the number one thing is we got to be self-feeders, saints. We can't sit down at the table and look around and say, well, who's bringing me food? And who's going to put it on the fork? And who's going to put it in my mouth? God's already got the banquet laid out for us, saints. Let's be the kind of people that thank God for what he's done and take responsibility for what we've got to do. We're going to, uh, before we go into our response time, we're going to go into a time of communion. I'm excited about this. I really am. I'm excited because this says as a church family, let's do the Last Supper together in this process. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to walk through the elements of taking community together and what that, taking communion together. Father, we do thank you. We love you, and we praise you, Lord. We're so grateful to be in your house that you've given us. We're thankful, Father, you've given us resources through the obedience and the trust of everyone here to position us to take care of the temple that you've given us. And so, Father, we come together now and we're going to ask you, Lord, will you bless our time together here as we honor you by doing what you have called us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, using the last words at the Last Supper of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Saints, as we prepare to take communion, there are only two things at Summit Church, as a Christ-following church, that you're required to be a follower of Christ to do with us. That's baptism. We did that last week. I love that. And that's taking communion. Those two things are reserved. Not to embarrass anybody or anything. If you're sitting here today and you go, you know what? I don't really know Jesus. I'm not sure any of that. Here's what's going to happen. Before I do anything with communion, we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? It's very important. Okay? If you do not, and you're sitting here today, and you say, today is my day, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Afterwards, I'll ask you to go to one of the prayer partners and let them know because we have a gift for you. But we want to position every single person here so that we're without excuse on this. You with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord. And I ask every person here, and I pray through the eyes of our hearts, Father, that you would guide us to know that moment when your word says every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I pray for each person here, Father, and I pray that if they do not know you, they do not know you, Father, and this is their time, that you have drawn them to you by the Holy Spirit. As your word says, no one comes to the Father except through the power of the Holy Spirit. If that Holy Spirit is driving anyone here to say, I want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me, that his shed blood covered my sins, 
and I want to acknowledge to God that I am grateful and want to spend in my time and eternity with Him. If you're sitting here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not acknowledged what Christ did on that cross for you, and you say right now, I want to acknowledge that I have sinned, and the only way to cover that sin is the shed blood, which was done by Jesus Christ on a cross like that, on a hill called Calvary, Golgotha, some 2,000 years ago. And I want to live for Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand right where you're at. If there's anybody in here, just keep your hand up. There you go. Keep your hand up. Anybody else? Tom Morrison, sir, you're closest to that young man on the back row that just raised his hand. Tom is one of our elders. Would you step back and pray with him, sir? Thank you. You'll see the young man right there with his hand up, Tom. I think he's sitting there with his parents. Could you just get there and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for the acknowledgement of a young man that says, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that I have sinned. And the only way is to acknowledge that and to receive all that God has for me. As Tom is praying for that young man right there, here's the next thing that we're going to do. All of you should have received one of our, one of our packages. Does anyone not have the communion package that needs it, the little self one? Is there anybody in here? Front row right here, okay. I got it right here. Thank you. Here's one right here. You got it? step right up here. Come on, buddy. The word before pastor needs to be servant. Thanks, man. Anybody else that doesn't have one of our communion elements? The Apostle Paul was very clear when he told us this. He said, now, before you take communion, make sure that the line between you and God is clear, that there's nothing unresolved in this process. You with me? Meaning that, is there anything you need to confess? Is there anything you need to ask God for forgiveness for? Is there any place you're at? Nobody's going to ask you about it. There will be no raised hands. This is something strictly between you and God. But the Apostle Paul was very clear on that. So here's what's going to take place. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to reveal to you anything you've got to clear up. Believe me, God's a God that'll do that. As you're praying, I get the privilege of serving our worship team up here. So, Father, we thank you, and I'm asking right now, Father, open our eyes of our hearts to see, to know, to feel anything that separates us from you before we take communion together. Father, show that to us, then give us the courage that we may resolve that issue between us and you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your heads down. This is your time to pray. Take up with God anything you need to before we move into this. And now, as Jesus sat on the night before he was betrayed, the first thing he did is he took the bread. I'm going to ask you to take the first element off the top of that and peel that cellophane back. 
And he spoke to his disciples and he asked God to bless that bread. And then he said to them, this is my body that will be broken for you. And he said to do this in remembrance of me. I, I better translate is every time you put something in your mouth, a meal, the food, that's what was represented by the bread. What Jesus is saying is, hey, this isn't to be a memorial. This is to be an ongoing part of our relationship. And then he says this, so each time you do this, remember me. And he was referring then to what's going to take place because he already knew where he would be. Father, bless this bread as we take it in doing so, remembering the broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's take the bread together. Likewise, afterwards, he took and he took the wine and he said to his disciples, because the law was that where there was sin, there must be shed blood. God didn't change the law. He fulfilled the law. Jesus told us that from the beginning. He didn't come to change the law. He came to fulfill the law. And we see this here. So when he took the wine and he said, this is the blood shed for you. Very specifically, it was that we would know through the shedding of his blood that our sins were forgiven. Father, we ask right now, as we take this wine representing the shed blood of our Lord and Savior on that day, the altar on that tree, that he was sacrificed for each of us, we ask, Father, that you bless us now as we acknowledge that. In Jesus' name, let's take it together. <clears throat> 